Welcome to the Art of Appointment Setting Podcast, where we ask today's most successful experts and entrepreneurs to share the most powerful lead generation and appointment setting tactics they use to build their business and grow their revenues. Now your host from the city that never sleeps, New York, is Kwesi Sachi Jinnah. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for joining the conversation today. This is Questy Sechijunai, and my guest today is Dana James Mwangi. Uh, Dana is the founder of the award-winning brand, branding and web design agency uh, called Cheers Creative. Uh, Dana is not only an entrepreneur and speaker, but she's also an artist, a mom, and a wife. Uh, her story, work, and talks about branding, entrepreneurship, design, and uh, so many others have been featured uh, and referenced reference in Forbes, Net Magazine, Essence, and so many others. Before we start our conversation, I want to take a moment to acknowledge one of our partners for today's episode, AGM. AGM is a B2B agency that helps you scale your business using LinkedIn. They have LinkedIn training, LinkedIn lead generation, LinkedIn recruiting, LinkedIn advertising services, and so much more. Uh, the company has been featured on the BBC Entrepreneur Magazine, Huffington Post, and so many others. Right now, AGM is offering all of our listeners a free LinkedIn audit. Just go to abrahamglobal.com. That is abrahamglobal.com to reserve your session right now. So Dana, first of all, thanks so much for joining the conversation today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm 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 excited about this because I know we we connected a couple of years ago and um ever since I've, I've followed your work on on branding and and how businesses can actually do it right um in in today's saturated environment um mm-hmm. I want us to delve deeper into some of the techniques that you know you will recommend and you've been using for some of your clients in in the past couple of years but before we do that um uh, I must admit that the word brand is perhaps like the most vague term out there because I say this because I used to work with um, the second largest brand and market research firm in the world and we right. had a proprietary system for uh, determining brand equity uh, of the largest top brands actually we had a chart of uh, some of the top you know top 100 brands in the world you probably know this when I said if I mentioned the name but I'm not mm-hmm. going to do that but every now and then in the process we uh, you know we keep changing the variables and the metrics because we admit that the landscape changes all the time um, I bring this up because I'm curious to know why you decided to to focus on branding as a key piece of your work and, and more so how do you define branding? Awesome. So I'll give you a little bit more background about me. I studied graphic design in college. I was always an artist and everything. I decided to a major in graphic design. And then when I came out, I was doing um, design for financial institutions and banks. And I even did package design for items sold in uh, Walmart and Lowe's and Target and Home Depot. While I was doing that, I was doing freelance graphic design on the side and being exposed to those big companies taught me that there were more to um, helping a company than just doing graphics. What would actually inform the graphics and, and why should they look a certain way? And what should those graphics do uh, more than just look good? How can those graphics help a company to dominate? And so that's when I realized I had to learn about 
branding and the tools that could help a company brand themselves um, as much as I could. So my career kind of evolved from me being a, a graphic designer and, you know, just doing print to becoming more interested in the overall health of businesses. So even mm-hmm. to this day, while we offer, uh, my company offers web design and brand design, all of that is informed by brand strategy. Um, so, you know, just getting to the meat of a brand uh, comes first, figuring out the brand messaging and who that uh, company is talking to, figuring out the company's offerings and how to make those sound as clear as possible. That's the work that we need to do first before we start assigning logos, colors, fonts and other types of graphic elements. Mm, that's really fascinating. So the brand is not just the graphics, but also uh, some of the variables that probably define that. If if you were to pick, you know, the top two or three things that would make a really good strategy, what w- what would they be? So what makes a good brand strategy? And you know, people want a fast something fast, and there is no fast way to brand. This mm-hmm. stuff can take years, you know, and I. Um, you know, we want things to happen in 30 days and six months, but this is a long-term game. The art of branding is, is a long-term game. And so your number one strategy is building trust through storytelling. That's the, that's the number one, um, thing. So for instance, if I am a financial analyst, there are tons of financial analysts out there. What's going to make me my story and make me stand out from the other people who are financial analysts? You know, if if I tell my story of how perhaps the, you know, if I'm a financial analyst and maybe I grew up poor and I watched my parents struggle and I saw how that had an impact on me and my health and my siblings. And then I dedicated my life to understanding money and making sure that nobody else has to feel that way if I can help it. Now, all of a sudden, I have separated myself from everybody else that's like, here, here is my company, sign up for a consultation. Now, Mm -hmm. I am this person that has revealed myself. I'm no longer doing business with a curtain in front of me. Now, everybody knows who's behind the curtain. So, you know, and and that takes time, but it is is a powerful strategy, especially um, if you learn how to tell your story in a variety of different ways every day. Mm. So, so, so you're saying, talking, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was curious, you know. So th- that means that you can actually have more than one kind of stories to tell different types of people. Yeah. So you know, your story is your story, and as your company grows, your story also becomes your client's story. So, like, mm. we can um, even look at um, you know Kleenex. They started. They did a, started doing some videos, and there was a video they did about a beloved music teacher who was dying from cancer um, and students came back 10 years after she had taught them and uh, they uh, decided to surprise her and sing a song that that she taught them. And of course she was crying and what did they have? Kleenex. So they made it a Kleenex moment. So now Kleenex's story is not just how we got started in this business and how we dominated uh, the the, the t- personal tissue industry. It's also um, how other people are using our product. 
So. Fascinating. I love this. So, I, I, you know, I understand the part that, you know, a lot of things in business takes a lot of time. Sometimes we underestimate the, the amount of time and effort it takes to actually get it to the level that uh, we want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, an important part of, you know, a lot of the C-level conversations, whether it's at a, you know, it's at a mid-sized company or an enterprise company is the bottom line and a new business, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I want you to speak to this a little bit. How important is a solid brand uh, to generating new business or even sales? Um, it's, it's, it's super, I don't even know how you could, it is the number one method, like the art of branding. Everybody must participate in it. You know, uh, we were we were doing a branding workshop not too long ago. And uh, one of our students was like, well, this sounds all nice and good. But what if I'm just selling products? What if I'm just selling products on Amazon? You know, do I need to be involved in this long, drawn out process of branding myself? And I was like, well, what is your process when you go on Amazon? When you go to look for a product, I tell you what I do. The first thing I do is look at reviews. Then I go look at videos of people who have reviewed that item. I'm looking for someone to trust. Mm. And that's what branding is all about. So like no matter who you are, it's an important element. So even if you have an e-commerce store and maybe instead of just having a page where you're selling items, you're showing videos on how to use that product and how other people are using that product. You know, like this is something that everybody has to partake in, uh, whether you're a big architecture firm or you walk dogs or babysit for a living. Um, this is, you know, branding is your branding yourself and uh, elevating your platform is going to be your number one tool in a world where you have millions of other millions of others people um, doing similar things. If that makes sense. So, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm actually loving this part. I want us to unpack on uh, the, the, the concept of building trust, uh, because I, I feel that it's, it's really hard. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and even you need a lot of help. You mentioned a good, a couple of good examples, like, you know, having reviews, for example, uh, videos might be a good part of, you know, the tools that you use to build trust. Um, what are some of the other, so leaders listening will say, okay, I get it. Uh, brand is important. I need to build trust. Uh, mm-hmm. from where you sit, what are some of the top three practical things that, you know, my business can do right now? Uh, to help, you know, the journey of building trust? So, yeah, there's tons of things you can do um, to build trust. And even in example right now, me joining you on this podcast, I'm showing people that this is what I this is what I do. This is what I know. And this is why I love to do what what I do. So being active and involved in, you know, maybe sharing your knowledge via podcasts or putting on some type of webinar or um, um, writing guest blogs or doing public speaking, those things um, help help to build trust. And then again, going back to video, whether you're doing live streams, um, whether you are doing um you know, webinars and you have a YouTube channel where you are literally documenting your process instead of instead of trying to show some type of perfect ending uh, will help to um, will help to build trust. 
um, big. So let's say you make something, maybe showing your process online, maybe via Instagram or something like that. So if you bake cakes, maybe you show what it's like to go find your ingredients or, you know, or, or whatever it is, just revealing parts of um, the process. Now, again, I said, you know, back in the day, I was doing strictly graphic design. Now I understand that graphic design, graphics and visuals, all that is a major trust building tool. So, you know, the your graphics, your colors, your fonts, uh, the tone of your photography or um, the audio clips associated with your brand, all of that stuff helps to mold a certain perception about your business. And so if I want to look like the Mercedes Benz of my industry, then I will put out graphics and things like that that create that experience. If I want to show people that, you know, I am kind or that I am approachable or something like that, then I'm going to have brand visuals that echo that. So all of those things are trust building, um, trust building elements. Mm. You made oh, a really also website. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you, you made a really great point about uh, using stories and, and actually how you can actually change your story, uh, not only for different verticals or personas that you're targeting, but also after you, you sort of grow to a certain point. And I just wanted to piggyback on that. I'm curious, you know, at what point do you know when it's time to change the narrative or the story? So what you should do, if it's time to... When is it time to change the narrative or change the story? So now you're talking about kind of refining your brand a bit. Is your company going in a new direction? Um, Are you refining your services and your offerings? Has the buying trends of your um, of your target audience changed? Has your audience has their age range changed? Have they grown up a bit? Uh, are their buying habits different? When, when things like that happen, then you know it's time to kind of uh, change, the, change the narrative to suit whatever the need is. But w- while still being true to yourself, you know, mm-hmm. um, and being honest about, you know, your company's beginnings and what they come from. And, like your, your brand values never change, right? But the way in which you tell your story um, can change, you know, over time. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. This so, so yeah, you just pay attention to those factors. Yeah. And, and, and so, um, I know you've seen a lot of different scenarios. I mean, you do a lot of workshops and so on. So can you give us an example of some of the brand success stories that you've seen work, um, very well in different markets? In the market? Well, um, I will, may I use one of my clients? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Would you like? Okay. So, so I have a client who is a, who is very successful, um, in the YouTube space and, you know, she started back before people knew that you could monetize YouTube back when people did it purely as stress relief or fun (laughs) or for fun. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, whatever. And she, her name is Dr. Dr. Nina Ellis Hervey. And she started a YouTube channel. She didn't really know much about branding. She just wanted to share the fact that she had lost 100 pounds and kept it off for a long amount of time. Mm-hmm. And um, she was also a psychology student. At this point now, she's a tenured professor, clinical psychologist, and all, and, and all this stuff. 
So she's talking about mental toughness and how that helped her in her journey. Um, and then she, you know, um, she's a big supporter of like natural hair and beauty and all these things. And when she first started, she had this username, a uh, beautiful brown baby doll so that people could, you know, find her on YouTube easily. So, you know, over the span of what, nine or 10 years, she has grown an audience all around of about 700,000 people um, that are, you know, in over 34 million YouTube views, you know, but the thing is, you know, she built all of this herself and she realized um, that she needed some, some help. Right. So what we did is we matured her grant, her, her brand gra- uh, graphics and things like that a bit. So everything from the YouTube intro, which used to open up with a illustration or a cartoon of her to now we're like, Hey, they see you live and in color every week, every Thursday, there's no need for, for an illustration. You are the icon, Dr. Nina. And once we were able to help her understand that, we started taking some of those elements away. And so now, even now, we're on this transition plan where she's not so much known as Beautiful Brown Baby Doll. She's known as Dr. Nina because that's who she is. So we have a transition plan for that. And we have graphics and a website in place that help um, with that transition. Is her story still the same? Yes. Mm -hmm. But where she's going has changed. So so we created these these graphics to, uh, to help support that. I want us to, and I'm really, I know we can have this conversation on and on, but I I actually had one question that I wanted to ask you uh, when you shared mm-hmm. this example. Um, mm-hmm. So I know that for individual businesses or let's say businesses owned by one person or two, it's a lot easier to sort of evolve the brand and so on. But when you look mm-hmm. at mid-sized companies, you know, maybe between 11 and 50 employees or sometimes even more, uh, there's mm-hmm. so many divisions in the business. You have sales, you've got mar- marketing, you've got uh, account management, customer success, and so on and so forth. And sometimes the messaging, you know, aligning all the the messaging across all the divisions is super mm-hmm. difficult. My question to you is, what have you found to be sort of the, the biggest mistake in 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 aligning all the all the, the kind of the messaging across different different divisions? You know, that's interesting that you say that because I come from a corporate setting where. A lot of times departments don't even really know what the other departments do. And, you know, like there's not enough talk between departments. And Mm -hmm. what what I have found in general is for bigger companies, when the bigger the company, the, uh, the more likely their messaging needs help. Because, I mean, you've spent all these years, you know, building this. There's more fires to put out. Right. And there's more of a puzzle to um, to put together. And so that will be the bulk of the work. And so like even with my company, we have, you know, a, a service where we sit down with the leaders of departments and we get we uh, attempt to get the company to talk about their story and their challenges and who they think their audience is and, and where they want to go. And we try to get them all on the same page. You will be amazed how even within the company, people have different ideas on how that company started. So if everybody doesn't even have that together, then imagine how the overall messaging of that company is probably a little bit um, out of tune. And so, Mm. you know, and, and, and the other thing is, it's also interesting 
and, uh, and, and to me, it's necessary to get um, department leaders from a company in the same room talking about uh, where the company is going to get all that rich feedback. So somebody in accounting is going to have a different idea of somebody in operations. Somebody in the graphic design department is going to have a different idea um, than somebody in sales for the same company. So what I find is communication, getting everybody together and just having everybody ask that, answer that question of why, why this company exists. You know, and it's good for the, the management team to see that, too. It's good for, you know, CEOs to see, OK, this is the perception of the company just within these walls, mm-hmm. you know. And so to start there and try to get everybody on the same page and then from there work on putting out a unified message, I think, can be very powerful. This is so good. So, Dana, where can people learn more about your work, connect with you, get some branding consultant and and move their brand forward? Awesome. So um, my, my agency's website is www.cheerscreative.com. And we are everywhere at Cheers Creative. <laughs> uh, my, my personal uh, website is Dana James Mwange.com, M-W-A-N-G-I. And I'm uh, everywhere at Dana James Mwange. On my personal site, I have uh, a downloadable where you can download 18 tools to help you dominate online uh, right now and to help elevate your platform and uh, make your workflow a bit better and help you to be uh, more professional as you're you know, dealing with prospects and clients. So you can download that. Uh, we have uh, the brand journal on Cheers Creators website, which is like a free um, e-workbook that helps you to do a pretty much an audit of your brand. Um, and so you can kind of look at it from a bird's eye view because we work, work, work. And before you know it, uh, two years have gone by and we don't know who we are. <laughs> and so the website and marketing and all that stuff looks like we don't know what's going on. So that tool will help you kind of stop and look at your brand from a bird's eye view. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dana. Thank you so much, Quincy. I really enjoyed this. Thank you for listening to the Art of Appointment Setting podcast with Quesi Sachi Jinai. Find out more about how to get high-value appointments at Catalyze.io. And while you're there, check out the free resources for appointment setting. And be listening for the next episode of the Art of Appointment Setting podcast.